We're going to start um, in Ezekiel chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. It says, Son of man, look, the house of Israel is saying, The vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be postponed any more, but the word which I speak will be done says the Lord God. And I want to preach this morning from a very simple title, It's Time. Pray with me. Dear Lord, we come to you today to worship you, Lord, to lift you up, to have every focus of our being to be with you, Lord. We just ask that as you speak through me today that the words that come out are your words, the true words, Lord, and that there are hearts and ears that are open and Lord, we just ask that you speak to us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was thinking about this as I was um, getting ready. And I thought about a time back when I was coaching soccer. Um, and the, for any of you that know me, you, don't, you, you know that soccer to me is like, I don't know, like golf is to me, and that's, it's very boring, and, I, you know, if, if you can play for three hours and have a zero-zero tie, it's like, what, why? Why are you going out and running around? Just go exercise, run some laps, you'll be fine. It's all the same to me, right? So this was six-year-old soccer. Andrew was playing, and me being a good dad, I'm like, you know, on the sign-up, like, I'll help if you need help, right? So I get a call about two days later. You're the coach. I don't know anything about soccer. I've never watched a soccer game in my life. I don't know drills. I don't know, like, I don't know anything. What I do know is football. And I played for, I mean, I played semi-pro ball in England. I've coached. Um, I know American football. And so I'm like, well, they're not wearing pads. How different can it be? So I went and I bought, now this was, tells you the time frame, I bought VHS um, or I guess I rented them from Blockbuster, um, and I plugged in on the basic rules of soccer. I learned soccer in a quick, you know, and I learned, and I, I rented drills for soccer and a whole bit. I went out and I bought my own money, cones and all that kind of stuff, and I'm the only guy out there. There's nobody else that's out there with me, and I've got these eight foolish six-year-olds running around, and here's the thing about me in football. I'm hard-nosed. Like, I had no problem with Woody Hayes snatching that dude by the face mask. I mean, that just, you know, matter of fact, one of my favorite pictures on my um, entertainment center is me, I didn't know it was taken, is me bending over, holding onto the face mask of my now nine-year-old grandson just a few years ago. So, like, I'm, there ain't no political correctness in me. There ain't no change. It's like, it is what it is. Just come here, boy, right? So, I got six-year-olds, eight of them, in soccer, and... We, we made it until about our third game, and these, they were just acting the fool. We were getting beat like 23 to nothing in soccer. And I get these little six little kids, and they, they're wrapped around me like this, and I'm just off the hook. Dude, I'm like Woody Hayes. Um, who's the guy at Indiana, the, the basketball coach that threw chair? Yeah, that's me. And I'm just ripping these six-year-olds, and here comes a parent. You ain't going to talk to my son like that. And he takes them off. And I said... All right, kids, here, I need you to stand over here. Parents, everybody, come here. All right, here's the deal. 
None of you, none of you wanted to coach at all. And you got me, an ex-football coach that's hard-nosed, and this is how I coach. Now, if you want to take your kids and leave, we can cancel the rest of the season, or you can deal with me the way I am, because I am not changing. Didn't apologize. Matter of fact, I browbeat them for not coming out and helping me. I browbeat them for not stepping up. And every single one of them, nah, coach, we good, man. You keep, you keep our kids. And here's where that came from. That story came from is as I'm thinking, um, I'm going to give you guys a chance right now. Today, I ain't preaching nice. It's going to be hard. And some of you guys are going to think, well, he didn't go far enough. Other of you guys are going to be like, well... That, you know, that's not how it should be. And other guys might think it's just right. But if you think you might get your toes stepped on, I'm giving you a chance right now. You guys can go. Because I am who I am, right? And I'm not politically correct, and I'm a little hard-nosed. So I'm going to go back, and we're gonna, I'm going to start a little bit before the verses that I just read and set up the time frame. So Ezekiel... He was called by God about five or six years prior to the fall of Babylon, or prior to the fall of Jerusalem, when they were exiled to Babylon and Jerusalem um, ceased to exist. And God was in here, and, and here's the thing. The, the Israelites, they were doing some horrible, horrible things. Um, I don't know how they could be more, more worse off than we are today, but they were, and they were doing some really bad things. And God was like, you know, Ezekiel, you got to tell them. Like, you're going to tell them what is getting ready to happen and what's getting ready to go on. Um, the Israelites at that time, they understood that there was one true God, but they, you know, Israelites, we, we look back today and we're like, man, how stupid were they? Because they did what God said and they got blessed, and then they didn't do and they got whacked, and then they did what he said and they got blessed, and they didn't do, they got whacked. But if you look at the time frames when you're reading through the Bible in the Old Testament, is some of these time frames were three, four, five hundred years between swings. And so you might go two or three generations where you're just blessed all good, and then you go two, three generations when you think nothing is going to be right, um, and you're wondering when's God going to come back. We think of a now time frame. We think of right now, like, okay, I prayed. You know, Lord, I've been praying this for like three days, and I, I don't have an answer. So we are an instant gratification society um, but back then, they just thought, well, we're God's people. And when they got into that downswing and they acted horrible, they just never thought that, yeah, 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 we know. Yeah, we know the past. Yeah, we know that there's a flood. Yeah, we know, but, you know, hey, I hadn't seen God in 200 years, so we're, just we're still getting blessed even though we're living shabby, right? So in Ezekiel 5, 6 through 9, this is a... Verse 6 is more of a statement from God to Ezekiel, talking about Israel. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgments and have not walked in my statutes. Now here's the thing. Israel is, you know, the other countries are not doing what God's called them to do because God hadn't called them to do it. But they're doing more than the nations. 
So whatever bad that we think, I mean, when, when Jonah went to Nineveh, he was, you know, they were like really bad. Well, whatever, whatever he thinks, they were doing more at the time than the nations around them. And verse 7 kind of reinforces that. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that are around you, and you have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, nor even done, nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that are all around you. 8 says, therefore, thus says the Lord God. Here's the thing. Indeed I, even I, am against you and will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. So here's the thing. Israel um, is in one of their downturns. And Ezekiel was born at the, end of a, at the end of a time where Habakkuk, there was proper preaching. Ezekiel has this revelation that um, you know, God's done with us. Like God's done with Israel. And what I'm going to get to and what you're going to see is, you know, we're not far off the way they were acting then. Now, that's kind of a quick punchline to the end. But for everyone that, I mean, God is a God of love, but for everybody who thinks that he doesn't act like a father and that we're not going to be held accountable for the things that we do, for the, for the way that we live on a day-in and day-out basis. Um, and here's the thing, though. Israel, at this time, it wasn't even how bad they were. Think about what we've heard about that time frame in that time frame, I mean, there was rape, there was incest, there was, you know, well, here, I'll give my wife away so that she can be raped so that I won't be killed. Um, there were um, uh, false gods, idols. Um, the Babylonian Empire, they have, um, you can find relics. If you ever go to a museum and look up around the Babylonian Empire, you can find where they have fishing nets as a prominent sign as one of their gods because fishing was a, main, was a big thing in Babylonia at the time. And so because that was their livelihood, those fishing nets actually became part of their idol system. And they would even take prisoners in fishing nets. Everything about them at that time was fishing nets. So they had idols. And we know that as, you know, when God, as Israel, conquered country after country after country, God told them, look, wipe these people out. Take them all down and then take their spoils. Sometimes he said take their spoils, sometimes he didn't. But he always said wipe them out. And the reason he said wipe them out is because he wanted to make sure that his people weren't infiltrated and start taking their beliefs. But men being men, they go in, they knock out a country, kill the old women, kill the cripples, kill the children, kill the men. Oh, she's kind of cute. I may have to hang on to her, right? So that's, that generally is, you know, Israel, that's a lot of where their downturns came from is because... Not necessarily just a woman, but because of their natural lust in their mind. The things that appealed to them to make them want to disobey God. It wasn't that they, it wasn't that they didn't know their commandments. It wasn't that they didn't know their laws. Matter of fact, back in that time frame in the Old Testament, they didn't have a Bible that they handed to their children and say, read here, read here. Back in that day, they all learned it. They memorized the scripture. 
All the scripture was memorized through the first five books of the Bible by the Israelites. They knew the rules, and they understood the rules. So it wasn't that they just didn't know them or didn't want to do the rules, but their flesh got in the way, and whatever they saw that they desired, they they would take a little bit of it. And then when they still were um, profitable or, you know, things happened blessed, they, they were still being blessed by God, even though, then they would take a little more, and then they would take a little more. And somehow, some way, they got so bad that they exceeded all the nations around them. And if you know what the nations, what the other nations did, with the things that we talk about, I mean, how do you exceed that? I mean, I, that, that in itself just kind of blows my mind. And in verse 9, he says... And I will do among you what I have never done, and the likes of which I will never do again, because of all of their abominations. So God's telling Ezekiel, I'm getting ready to come down, and I'm going to do something that I've never done before. Because you're worse than everybody else. Right? And here's the thing. What do we know about God? We know that God doesn't change. Right? We know that what he did then, he'll do now. Right? Now, he made his promise. He'll said the like of which I'm never going to do again. But guess what? He also made a promise to Noah with the rainbow. Well, I'm never going to flood you out again. That don't mean God ain't creative and that he doesn't have a different way to punish you, right? I mean, you know, he can flood the whole world, save one family so that we can repopulate, but it doesn't mean that if you get crazy again that he's not going to have a different type of punishment for you, okay? So in Ezekiel, I'm going to bump just a little bit. So God's going God's to judge him, and he's going to do something to him that he's never done before. But you get to Ezekiel 13. Now, keep in mind, Ezekiel's a long book. There's a lot of chapters. I could go chapter by chapter, and we could be here till like, you know, I don't know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock tonight. We could just roll right in, pass man up, and keep going. So what I've done is this is more kind of like a book report. I've gone through and picked out some things that just really jumped out. Like I said at the beginning, it's like, wow, man, can you, like, just really? You know, what did they do? So in Ezekiel 5.13, this is God speaking. Thus my anger, thus shall my anger be spent, and I will cause my fury to rest upon them, and I will be avenged. And they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it in my zeal when I have spent my fury upon them. Now, I'll tell on myself, um, as a young man, I had anger issues. As an old man, <laughs> I got anger issues. <laughs> it's just, if I feed the new man more, the old man stays more hidden, right? But you let the old man out, and I still have anger issues. And um, I got into an argument. Um, well, it wasn't an argument. It was me yelling and screaming. Um, over the phone, and uh, to the point where I lost my voice and fired one of my employees, and then I had to go back and apologize and bring him back. But um, because, you know, anger is a fool, I, I got to just do this real quick. In, this isn't even part of it. This is just, um, you know, extra. In Proverbs 14, 
um, 16 and 17 says, wise man fears and parts from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Quick-tempered man acts foolishly. And I got those three little sentences, part of, um, all of 16, part of 17. I got a note out beside of it that says, examine yourself. <laughs> when I get to 14, that's one of the things that I got to look at, right? So my anger was spent. Well, I had a friend of mine that was with me. We got off the phone. He's like, dude, you know that wasn't right as a Christian. You know that, you know, um, you know you can't do that and that God wouldn't be happy with you. Of course, I'm still in my anger mode. So instead of going, yeah, I could have handled it a different way, I'm like, dude, don't you think that God gets angry? Hey, he's, he goes, yeah, but you're not God. No. <laughs> Had to take point to that. But, man, look at this. He's telling Ezekiel to tell the Israelites, my anger spent, I will cause my fury to rest upon them. Man, if you know that God's fury is coming... If you know that God gets, I mean, he spoke the world into existence. And if you, don't, if you don't think that he can just take us out like that, then you got something else going on up here. And if you don't think that God acts like a true father, and when I get mad at my son, you know, and I always use the excuse, but he did it 32 times, so I am slow to anger, so I'm good with the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah. But still, this is God we're talking about. Everything he does is right. Everything he does is justified. He is going to bring justice onto this earth. Whether it is now or whether it is after we've passed, ultimately justice is going to occur and justice is going to be done. In verse 15, it says, So it shall be a reproach, a taunt. You ever taunt anybody? My five-year-old son taunted me, I'm going to beat your dolphins, right? That was a taunt. To embarrass God, it shall be a reproach, a taunt, a lesson, and an astonishment. Look at that word. It's an astonishment. I'm God's people. I'm Israel. We're God's people. No matter what we do, we're God's people. But guess what? When God comes down and brings that judgment like that, you are going to be astonished. And an astonishment to the nations around you. They're going to be, I thought you were God's people. What is he doing to you? When you are a nation that is ungodly and is horrible, and you know that the God of Israel has given all of these victories to this nation, and then all of a sudden he comes in and whacks you, they're astonished too. They're like, where'd that come from? Like we've been fighting against, we've been fighting a double battle. We're fighting you and we're fighting your God. But now, God's going to use those nations. They are going to be astonished to the nations that are around you when I execute the judgments among you in anger and in fury and in furious rebukes. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mm. Man, he's going to execute the judgments. Because here's the thing. God is a loving God. God gives us more than ample opportunity to do the things that we are supposed to do. He gives us knowledge. He gives us wisdom. He caresses us. He gives us mercy. He gives us grace. But when my son goes 32 times and does the same thing over and I lose it, it's nothing. It's nothing. I can, I can, it's nothing. My anger used to be so bad. I was manager at Roadway Express. I used to keep a spare phone that didn't work 
so that when I would go out, um, I, I, they wouldn't see me taking it. When, when, when my guys were acting up, and I'd go out and I'd place it on the, the, work, the uh, operations desk in the middle of the terminal, and they, I'd, whoo, and I'd throw that phone and shatter it up against the wall. Then they knew I was angry. But that's nothing. None of that is nothing compared to God. When I, when I execute judgments among you, and listen, he's going, God is going to execute these judgments in anger and in fury and in furious rebukes. So how many people think God's really mad at this point? I mean, dude, he's really mad. God is going to respond to disobedience and to shabby living, and he's going to respond to it with fury. Don't think he's just going to smack you on the hand and say it's okay. God came down on these people with anger and fury and furious rebukes. He's the same now, and he is going to come down on us today. So my question is, a thought, is how are we any different them now than they were then? Because we live in a politically correct society. Um, a lot of... A lot of things that go on should have been done right from the start in our nation and weren't. A lot of things are getting better. Um, but a lot of things are taken out of context and go too far, hence the you know, politically correct stuff. Um, the bottom line is, you know, what, ha what has happened in the past has happened in the past. And it's just like the last song that Jeff and, um, and the choir sang is, we, we need you. I need you. I need you. You need me. Our words hurt each other. I don't know what my grandfather did to your grandmother. I don't know. But what I do know is of how I treat you and what I do with you and what you do with me. We can make this world a better place if we treat each other properly. But, unfortunately, this world is going whack. Right? I mean, you got you to know that they had idols then. Everything from fishnets to totem poles to little wooden statues, figures, that was their idols. But we have idols now. We have idols. For anybody that doesn't think you don't have an idol, you do. Unless you spend more time on God, spend more money on God, spend more of your talents on God, unless you put all of that to God, and you got something else that you're putting forth. Um, you know, if, if you spend more time preparing for the Gators uh, tailgate party than you do spending on God. If you spend more time um, on your favorite TV show and you binge watch three hours a night, do you, um, you know, do you spend three hours with God before you spend that three hours with that TV? So we easily have idols. Sports, teams, players, individual players. Um, man, we spend money on jerseys. I have two $240 Cubs jerseys in my, um, in my closet. So fortunately, um, that wasn't the most. Um, so I, I, I can you know, classify that I got more money to God than I do to my Cubs jerseys. Um, I got more money to God than I do to my Cubs trips that I go on each year and go see them. 
Um, but I got to be careful because I've got Major League Baseball um, TV. So that means I can watch all 162 games of the Cubs, and that's three hours each. So you're talking 500 hours of baseball in one season. So do I give God 500 hours of my time in that same season? i got to be careful. I have to examine myself and see what's around me. So the world, though, the world, the world is, is horrible. We have so much sex going on, so much sex crimes going on. Um, when I was in Louisiana, I played softball on a government team, which I have no idea why, except that I was the best one on their team. So that's probably why they picked me up. But it was a bunch of DEA agents, a bunch of FBI agents, a bunch of, you know, um, just different government agencies. And so when I was with them, one of the biggest things that was going on in Louisiana at that time, which was about 20 years ago, is girls go out to a bar, get a whatever it is called now, get a Mickey slipped into their drink. Next thing you know, you wake up in South America three days later. That was the biggest thing that was happening in Louisiana at the time. Constantly, people were going missing because they'd go to a bar by themselves. Get a little, oh, she's just drunk. My girlfriend, she's just drunk. Take her out, put her in a car, and they would sell them in slavery. And I'm not talking about like 10, you know, 10 people a year. I'm, I'm talking 10, 20 a month was happening in Louisiana. So you know, and they're, they're in South America. They're a sex slave. That's it. rest of their life. They ain't getting out of there, right? We know that sex slaves are going on. We know that children are being, um, there, there, there's, we know that children are being um, in foreign countries, they're being worked still. Um, you know, there's, there's slave labor going on across the, the country. Um, there, there's idols, there's anti-God. Everything is being taken about God out of our schools. I mean, we still consider ourselves to be a Christian nation, but are we really? Um, you know, every, we're, we're, we are allowing these things to happen. And, you know, I, I don't remember, I want to say Winston Churchill, but I don't think that's who it was, that said um, the, only thing, the only way that, that things can go bad is for good men not to do anything about it, you know, for bad things to happen, is for good people not to do anything about it. Well, if we're Christians and we know the way that we're supposed to act and we know what we're supposed to be doing and we know that we're supposed to be spreading the word and we know that we are supposed to be salt and light to all these people. And we know that just like Jeff's song said, we, we need each other. And when we're in grocery stores, we shouldn't have arguments between us. And we shouldn't be suing each other. Do you guys know? That's just a whole other rabbit trail for me. I hate lawyers, and my daughter is one. But, um, you know, they've ruined, they've ruined all America. That's why our insurance is so high, car, health, everything else. Um, but, you know, the Bible says that you're not to sue you're supposed to take care of what happened. So, like, if I, you know, hit Henry and break his leg with the car, because me hitting him is going to do nothing. So, if I hit Henry with a car and I break his leg, then I'm supposed to pay for his wages that he would normally have made, and when he's back ready to go, then that's it. There ain't none of this, you know, oh, $3 million because I felt bad. No! That, like, we've just, no, that's just horrible. But, you know... We're supposed to take care of our man. If we were salt and light of the earth as Christians, if we were doing the things we're supposed to be doing, not living, not living shabbily, not being hypocritical where everyone says, the reason that I don't go to church is because I have been to church. Um, if you get, you know, if, if we would just do the things that we were supposed to do, but here's the thing, we don't. And this world is horrible. Crime, 
off the chart. Um, you, you know, deserve it or not, I can tell you not. But, you know, just the things that, that go on, the way, the way police officers are treated, the way, um, you know, soldiers, I mean, the way our military. I mean, we've got people that love this country that are trying to protect us. And, you know, you, you, there is a lack of understanding for authority. We have gotten so bad. The Internet, the Internet is horrible. So I'm, I'm just running off. All these things are just coming through me to my mind is I'm running all these things off. And, and just to say, how are they worse than us? How are the Israelites? They were worse than any nation around them. But how do we compare today? I, you know, they couldn't. Come on, really? They couldn't be doing then what we're doing today. I mean, you can go on sites and find bestiality. I mean, it's just, like we're whack today. We are a whack society, a whack nation, and we have gone to extremes. And do we think that God is going to allow us to get away with all that? So to get back to Ezekiel, he tells them next what's going to happen. And this is something that I've just been, and it's not on my notes, but... There's just a, 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 a verbiage in chapter 7, verse 13, that says, For the vision concerns the whole multitude. And Ezekiel, a theme through Ezekiel, is that we are individually responsible for the whole nation. Because in this going down of Israel, God just didn't break out and punish the good. Now you'll see where he saved those so that they could become a remnant, but he punished the whole nation as a whole. And so God's telling Ezekiel what's going to happen. So in ver, uh, chapter 7, verse 13, it says, For the vision concerns the whole multitude. Oh, I'm sorry, 7.15. The sword is outside. This is God telling Ezekiel what's getting ready to go down. He's never done this before. He's getting ready to tell him what's going down. The sword is outside and the pestilence and famine within. Whoever is in the field will die by the sword. Whoever is in the city, famine and pestilence will devour him. This took out two-thirds when Jerusalem fell. The sword is outside. So the Israelites had an army. Anybody outside the city gates? God said, that's it. You're done. You're falling by the sword. You're not going to win this battle. You're going out, and they are going to slaughter you. And then they're going to set up a siege against Jerusalem. And for those of you who don't know what a siege is, very simply, is that the army surrounds the city, and they don't let anything in or out. If there's a water supply going in or out, they pollute it. They don't let any food in, any water in, nothing. All you get is the air that you breathe. So during this time frame, people inside the wall... Another third of the country inside the wall, they fell to disease, um, starvation. Um, the, 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 the first people that fell inside, never happened before. They turned to, bar, um, to um, cannibalism inside the city of Jerusalem. Can you imagine? You're so starving. Your whole city's cut off. And this is your God. Here's the thing. This is your God that's doing this to you. This is your God that's doing it to you because this is his furious 
rebuke to what you've done. I mean, can you imagine that you know that you were so bad that this is what your father is doing to you in his furious rebuke? And in 16, a third of the country survived. It says those will, who will survive will escape and be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them mourning, each for his inequity. And these that are mourning for their inequity, these are the ones that eventually become the remnant that get spread throughout the world even now, up until 1948 when Israel became a country again. The remnant was spread throughout the world and they were scattered. And 19 says, in the city, they will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be like refuse. Their silver and gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They will not be satisfied by their souls nor fill their stomachs because it became their stumbling block of inequity. So everything they did was wrapped up around materialism. Everything they had was about materialism. Tell me we're not like that today. Tell me we're not worried about, I mean, when my shirts get old, I go buy a new shirt. Should I really be worried about that? I mean, I don't know how serious you guys would take me if I was in sackcloth, but, um, but you know, we do. We like to dress nice. We like to look nice. Um, Cedric wants to go buy a $54,000 GMC pickup truck. I, I wish, you know, I could do that. But, um, you know, see, Sonia's, no, no, he ain't, no, he ain't getting that. Uh, or maybe she just found out. I don't know. Um, sorry, Cedric, if I spilled the beans. But here's the thing. It was materialism and their fleshly desire. You have to understand, it's their fleshly desire that made them go down this road. In 27, it says, The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with desolation, and the hands of the common people will tremble. I will do to them according to their way and according to what they deserve. I will judge them, and they shall know that I'm the Lord. I will do to them according to their way. Did he break apart poor people, rich people, kings, princes, presidents, senators, congressmen? No. It doesn't matter. We're all coming to judgment. Everybody here is coming to judgment one day. And God is going to judge them according to your own way. It doesn't matter what status or stature you've had in your life. It doesn't matter how rich you are or how much you've struggled through. God is going to judge them according to your way. And they will know that I am the Lord. The Lord's very specific when he's talking to Ezekiel on how this is going to happen. Um, when he's talking about the fall of, of Jerusalem. And in chapter 9 verse 4... And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the forehead of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done with it. In 5 it says, To the others, he said, In my hearing. So God is talking, God is talking to the angels of death that are going to go through Jerusalem. And he is allowing Ezekiel to listen to this. And says to the others, he said in my hearing, to Ezekiel's hearing, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens, little children, women, but do not come anywhere near on whom the mark. Begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. And then he said to them, defile the temple, fill the courts with the slain, go out. And they went out and they killed in the city. That was God's plan. 
That was his laying out to Ezekiel, his plan. And the one thing that he said in the first verse was, put the mark on those that, um, that sigh and cry over, let me, who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within. So here's the thing. There's a remnant within Jerusalem, and I've preached on the remnant before. There's a remnant within Jerusalem that were like, man, this is, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And they stayed true and faithful to God. Through the parable of the sower and the seed, Christians, of all the, all the people that call themselves Christians, the Bible clearly says that only 25% are really saved. So three out of four people are just using the verbiage. But it's those one out of four of Christians that are going to... Um, they're going to cry over the abominations that are done by our country. We're going to be the ones that are praying for our country. We're going to be the ones that are reaching out. We're going to be the ones that are doing what God says to do. No matter, you know, sometimes the politically correct thing is the correct thing, and then we do it. Sometimes the politically correct thing is not the correct thing, and we don't do it. We do what's according to God's will. We follow man's laws until they conflict with God's laws. So as the 25%, we need to be the 25% that do God's laws, have a personal relationship with Him, relationships talking back and forth. We should be in our Bible every day. We should be studying. We should be praying. We should be listening. We should be worshiping, worshiping, praising, and making God the center focus of everything that we do every day. Because guess what? God, He can get really, really mad. And in chapter 11, verse 12, he just kind of retells this. And you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor executed my judgments, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles which are around you. All right, so in Old Testament, Israelites were God's people, Gentiles were not. All right, so I know we have Jews and Gentiles, but in this reference, when you refer it to today, those are basically God's children and not God's children. And so Gentiles have been preached to. So if we look at it today, in today's terms, we have saved and unsaved. It's not Gentiles and Israelites. Today we are saved and unsaved. And he says that you have done according to the custom of the Gentiles which are around you. So about... Three weeks ago, um, and you guys know, I play on an adult, uh, over 50, travel softball team. Um, just a hint, next year I can play on the over 60. Um, I'm going to feel like a kid again. I'll be able to run and their arm won't be able to throw, throw me out, right? Um, but we had a tournament in the villages, and I don't know if any of you guys know where the villages is or what, a vill you know, what the villages are, but it's a community south of Ocala, and it's a retirement community. And that's where our tournament was. Well, because of the storm that came through, the tournament got canceled, and then the storm didn't hit, and um, it was just a waste. But the, the tournament, the um, organizers, they didn't tell everybody until Friday morning. And half the guys were going for Friday night and Saturday night. So... Everybody within that played softball was upset because they just they either had to give up a they lost their money on a Friday night room or they went there anyway. 
Well, it was Nancy's birthday, so I had gotten a room, not at the hotel, which we na- normally stay at, which is for um, um, it, it, cheap hotels, right? Because all, all our guys, you know, some, you know, not everybody has a bunch of money, and so they all, and some of them, you know, roommates, and, you know, we'll get two, two sometimes there's two, three guys in a room. Um, I have never done that. Like, I find every excuse. I snore horribly. I don't see how Nancy sleeps with me. But I couldn't imagine trying to sleep with two other dudes that snore just as bad as I do. So I'm like, no, nah, I'll get my own room. Well, anyway, Nancy and I got a room at a place called the Waterfront Inn. Really nice. And since I couldn't cancel, and since it was her birthday, I said, look, we'll cancel the Saturday night one. Let's go down Friday. We'll... You know, go around, do all our stuff, have a birthday, we'll celebrate your birthday, and then we'll just come back Saturday night and don't worry about the tournament. And so that's what we did. So I bring up the villages because the villages actually, has, let me add, has anybody ever been there? Okay. All right. So the villages is really a cool place. Um, the hotel that we stayed at, you, you know, you walk out and, you know, there's like restaurants, every. It, I think of it as being set up like the 50s, like what you remember to be, you know, leave it to be or that type of thing. It, you know, America is built with, you know, in, in boxes, streets go back and forth. Um, England was more of the wagon wheel. I don't know if any of you guys remember that from your social studies in, in school. But um, the town center in England was like the town center. And then there was nothing on the outskirts except houses. Well, that's the way that the villages are set up. They're set up with everything is in the town center. So we were able to stay at a hotel, and we walked out, and, you know, the bricks, the, the streets are, are paved with brick, and they've got, um, they've got all the nice um, light fixtures, have flowers hanging off of them, and when you're walking around, there's music playing. Like, everywhere you go, there's music, you know? I mean, I kid you not, the street lights have speakers on them. Everywhere you go, there's music. And it's a retirement community for people over 55. So guess what kind of music they play? They play old, cool music. I mean, you know, I, I can't. Um, Teddy Pendergrass, Casey and the Sunshine Band played. Some, I mean, just Jim Croce, James, T- just everything that you can just, you walking down the street, holding hands, you're singing to the song. Like, man, this is cool. I'm throwback to the 50s. Ain't no crime. You know, crime is very low there. I mean, it, it's like really cool. They got in the town center, they got all the shops that you would need to go to and the ones you don't need to go to. They have different restaurants that are there. Um, you got all these restaurants. And then in the center of the town, they got a gazebo and they got a band, you know, and it don't cost nothing. So you get people Friday night, hey, Friday night, let's go, baby, every Friday night. Let's... And they got these plastic chairs like normally at the poolside. They're all stacked up by the hundreds. And you just walk over and you get your chair and you sit down, you relax, and you listen to the music. And you're like, man, this is so cool. And you get caught up in it. And it is cool, right? I mean, it's like, this is like cool. Like nothing, nothing bad's going on here. Um, except... That on each of the four corners, oh, i got to say this one more thing. This is really cool because you can tell it's a retirement community because I'm just going to tell you a secret about me that, that few people know, but um, I, I'm pushing 60. And so whenever we, like, stop for gas or for a drink or if I, you know, just, 
Wherever I am, I have a saying. I go when I can, not when I have to. Get, that way I don't get stranded out and be like, mm, got to make it to the next exit, right? This place has the coolest bathrooms. Every two corners. It's like it, uh, just walk up oh, a restroom. I'll go in here because go when you can, not when you have to, right? I mean, they got music in the bathroom. Clean. I mean, it's just like sweet, man. You just like, yeah, all right, man. This is the best. Wow, this is the bomb, right? So you... And I'm just cool. After about the fourth every other block, I'm like, okay, they got enough for me. I don't need to go when I have to. I'm just going to go when I, I mean, go when I can. I'll just go when I have to. So anyway, place is really cool. But also what they had on every corner, on every corner of that gazebo, of that big open square that's, I don't know, four times bigger than this church, maybe bigger than that. But on each corner... Here, they didn't have any bars, and I mean, you, there were, you could buy alcohol at the restaurants, but at each corner, they had little walk-through bars. And you just walk up, and you order your drink, and you go in, you pull your plastic chair, you sit down, you listen to music that was cool when you were in college, right? And this is the bomb. And in one way, I can say it, it really was. Um, and then it hit me. Like, It hit me that this is how the lie of the devil sneaks in. Okay? And this is where I say I'm step on toes. I might step on mine. For all you that have been there and thought it was the coolest place ever, well, I did too. And then I'm like, ah, you know, because the lull of that serenity and that coolness and that throwbackness, you're not thinking about God when you got that music going on and you got the bars on the corners and you know it hey we're not supposed to live in that lifestyle so as far as I'm concerned if we don't move down there and go every Friday night right we can trip down there um, but here's the thing is we appeal the things that appeal to our flesh you know the devil doesn't come out and just go, you know, turn against God. He's bad. He doesn't want you to do those things. He doesn't browbeat you. This is how he gets you. He gets you when you're, you know, I mean, I, my music in my, in my truck, I'm going to say, I'll say 90% of the time, it stays on Christian radio, sermons, or like a podcast or something. But, um, but when I hear that music, I know all the words. And then I start singing it. And then I start, you know, sitting back. And it just, you just, just, they just kind of slide right into it. And it's like, yeah, all right, you know. And it's that appeal of the flesh that gets to us. Now, hopefully as Christians, we're not doing what the Israelites did back then. I know our world is. But here's the thing. As Christians, we've got to be very careful on where we go with things like that. Because things like that is, it's not, you know, you do it and then, you know. But if you get into it and then you go, oh, wow, man, I, I wonder if I can find a radio station that's like that. And then you start listening to that all the time. And then you start letting that lifestyle tie back in to, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. I don't drink anymore. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, it's not. 
wonder if they got Woodford Reserve over there. That was my drink of, of choice, bourbon, when I drank. But um, so I'm sitting there like, it's all cool. Um, I, I didn't. But that brings us back to our beginning scripture of chapter 12, 27 and 28. It says, Son of man, look at the house, look, the house of Israel is saying, the vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. So what that's saying is, yeah, we know God says that he's going to come and rebuke us. We know that God sent a flood once. We know that they were blessed, and when we had a bad king 800 years ago, he shut him down. We know that God's going to do something at some point in time. But those prophecies are far off. They're in the future. You know, yeah, the rapture's coming, but yeah, we got time. He probably ain't going to hit us till you know, 2025. I got time. I got five years to be bad and two years to live right. Yeah, no. Right? They're thinking that things are in far off mode. Right? And in 28, it says, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord God. Time's now. It's time. For them that never thought it could happen, they woke up and the Babylonians were at their front door. For the, time, for the Israelites that had conquered, gone down, gone up, gone down, gone up, they never thought that anything like that. Israelites never thought that they were going to be eating their own kids or eating people that died before them from starvation. But the day happened. It happened. It's going to come. And it is going to happen. We are closer today than ever before. God said he's coming back. And he's coming back in a flash. God promised would not he, that he would not do to his children the same way again. Check this out. I think what's coming is worse for some, better for others. Because the remnant still had to endure the suffering. But those that were, that were bad, they had to go through and die by the sword, die by famine, pestilence. But guess what happens with us? Just like that. Blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. And we're going to be in front of God at judgment. In the blink of an eye. And we're going to be there. And what comes at that point, it's permanent. There are no deathbed confessions at that point. And you're not going to know when it comes. A year ago yesterday, my brother committed suicide. And he shot himself in the chest. Now, I know I don't do a lot of hunting, but I know that when you shoot a deer, that it runs. They don't, unless it's just a, like, dead-on headshot or something like that, um, those animals don't die right away. And guess what? We're an animal. And for months after my brother passed away, I just... In my mind, in my heart, all I could think of was, I hope he shot himself in the chest and was laying there on the ground bleeding out, going, God, please save me. 
What did I do? Wasn't the right thing. It's done. God, please save me. I believe in you. Please save me. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his, in his death. I believe in his burial. I believe in his resurrection. I believe that I hope with everything inside me that my brother laid on the ground bleeding out, calling out for God. But when the rapture happens, we are not going to have that chance. When it comes, it is permanent. There's no second chances. We find ourselves on the wrong side when judgment comes. That is it. That is the time we're either in heaven or we're in hell for an eternity. Christ says nobody knows the time except for the Father. Not even Christ knows when it's coming. So how can we know? How can these people come around and say, well, it's going to be this weekend or I'm projecting October 1st, you know, whatever. Um, 2020, God's coming back. I can do this. I can... They don't. They're not prophesied. The Bible says of itself that no words can be added to it unless you've been found a liar. So you can't say, well, God came to me and told me this is a date because you're a liar. Nobody knows the date. Nobody knows the time. But we have to be ready. Be assured. It's been written. It was experienced by the Israelites. It is coming. The time for prophecies are over. We have lived. The pastor said it before. We are in the time that all prophecies have been fulfilled. We can see what's going on on the other side of the world right now. Everything that the Bible has prophesied is true. We're just waiting on God right now. Here's the thing. Don't get lax. Don't get complacent when you're waiting on God. Don't think, well, you know, it hadn't happened in my 58 years, so 59 years, so, you know, I probably got another 10. Don't get lax. Don't get complacent. Wake up every morning saying this may be the day because it happened to the Israelites. Every word of God is true. And ready or not, it's time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you for loving us. Lord Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity. You're the creator. You, you are the creator of this earth. We thank you for reaching out and allowing us to be your children. And we know that the gift that is given to us is that. It is a gift. And to have a gift from somebody, from anybody, we have to receive that gift. And God, we just pray that you reach out and touch hearts. That, and that that heart might be open so that we receive that gift. And when we receive it, Lord, we just we understand. That we understand what this earth has gone through, what your children have gone through, what the remnant gone, went through to the, get to the point where Christ Jesus came down to save the rest of us. God, everything you do is in a Father's love. And yes, even as a Father, you can be furious. And we know, Lord, that you will bring justice and we know that you will bring judgment to each according to his own. So, Father God, I ask this day that you put your hand around us as your children and that you help us to make the right choices and that you help us to live right and that you encourage us, speak to us when we have our time with you, Lord. We ask for a desire to be placed inside us 
that every moment we think about you and that we want to reach you and that we want to talk to you. We want you to be that good parent. We want to be able to reach out to you like that good parent, like kids do when they're off in college and when they're off doing stupid things and they want to reach back. Um, God, we want to reach you. Everything inside us, we need to reach you, look up to you, and just ask that you hold us. God, we know that time is coming, but we don't know when. And so I just ask that all, myself included, and all my brothers and sisters around this world express what we expressed in the last song that we sang this morning. And that we give each other encouraging words because this world is not encouraging. But we're not of this world, Lord. We're just in this world. And we need to understand that. And we need to encourage each other. We need to lift each other up. And we need to reach as many as people as we can to let them know that you are the true, only, and wonderful God that you are. And Lord, we ask that as we close today, that you just be with each one of us here as we go through the rest of this day. Protect us. Keep this world off us. And watch us as we make our way home back to our homes and to our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.